0: The amusing thing about this, it's all a big mistake. That particular Starfighter
1: game was supposed to be delivered to Vegas, not some flea-spec trailer park in the middle of tumbleweeds and tarantulas. So it must be fate, destiny, blind chance, luck
0: even that brings us together. Okay, let's go. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? And it's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically, a movie at least one of us has never seen before. Uh, I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 94. And the movie that we watched this week was The Last Starfighter from 1984. And joining me to talk about it, because she had not seen it before, Annalisa, how you doing?
1: I am doing okay. I am am starting to recover from being a absolute mad crafting woman before christmas and i'm i'm great i'm wonderful how are you
0: (laughs) well so you you made up for the fact that i was not a mad crafting woman before christmas so i think that it's a balance thing right um sure because my my mad crafting was hey this is a thing i can buy online click done um
1: uh i I did a little of that and some of the gifts may arrive eventually (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, they'll they'll get there when they get there. It's the thought that counts, right?
1: I keep saying this year time is not a thing. So
0: no. no, no, not at all. So you had never seen the last Starfighter before, and you brought this one up as a movie that you would want to watch. So I have to ask, how is it that you missed this one?
1: Okay. Well, first off, when it came out, I was two years old. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> but other than that, um, I just I have never been really good about watching this sort of genre or time period of movies when i was a kid like i grew up without cable i didn't have cable tv until i was like in college and then i was like super focused on cartoon network (laughs) so i was like oh you mean i have other channels now (laughs) it's like uh (laughs) no i i I was so stuck on Toonami and like the old school adult swim and stuff before it was like live action and not cartoons all the time yeah, but yeah no reason. i just completely missed out on all of this stuff um and then finally when netflix came out i started to kind of catch up and then i got a little bit overwhelmed like i got through uh what is it flight of the navigator mm-hmm. and um what's it called john the johnny five Oh, short uh, circuit. Short circuit. Yep. Short circuit. Uh, never ending story. I got through like some of the stuff, but then by the time I got around to a lot of it, it had, you know, moved on from Netflix or I don't know, life happened. And yeah. this this one's been on my list for a long time. I just, ugh, there's a lot of stuff to keep track of.
0: Oh, definitely. So <laughs> to set the record straight, I was also only about two, two and a half years old when this came out. Um, <laughs> what I have found is it's kind of interesting. Everybody that I talk to, or that I hear about that loves this movie all fall into the same category. All everybody's like between 35 and 45 years old right now. And it's like, you either <laughs> watched this when you were a kid or it, you completely missed it. Like one, either one of those things happened there. There's very few people I talk to. They're like, yeah, I remember seeing that it was all right, but whatever, I don't care. It's like the people that saw it when because of the age that we all were, when we saw it, we just latched right onto it. Um, so, and it also kind of makes sense if you were starting to hit Netflix and the streaming services and, and start to dive into this era, this is like just below that first tier of those movies. You mentioned Neverending story. You mentioned short circuit flight of the navigator. I would put almost on par with this one, but that one being a Disney produced one um, gets a little bit more notoriety. I feel like so, you know, it, it's one of those that I'm never overly surprised when someone says they haven't, seen the last starfighter but i i think just based on what i know about you it was a little bit more surprising like really it feels like it's right in your wheelhouse of something you would love so yeah (laughs) um i just uh i i have the nostalgia for this movie i remember seeing it i don't remember how old i was but i was young when i saw it for the first time and it just it grabbed me right away there's something about this idea of like the kid that's really good at video games gets called up to the big leagues was was so cool to me at the time um so i'll I'll just come right out and ask what did what was your experience like watching it for the first time
1: uh i definitely understood all of the nostalgia associated with it like uh i watched it with my husband for the first time last night because he's he actually used to watch it all the time when it was on TNT or something when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is very familiar with it. And bless his heart, he managed to not spoil it for me at all. So That's that awesome. was really nice of him. <laughs> uh, but no, I I understood how it could be a very um, uh, nostalgia-laden, like feel-good movie for our generation, so to speak. Um, the, uh, it had, it definitely had its, uh, its foibles and its weird spots. And it's like, aha, that's so eighties. <laughs> yes. Oh, but. it's,
0: it is a hundred thousand percent a product of its time. Uh, yeah. I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. I've seen it several times. Um, and I really noticed, I noticed the things like, so I love the movie and nothing will ever take that away from me, but I can definitely look at it from a critical perspective and kind of nitpick a bunch of stuff. That's certainly not perfect about it. One thing that I do think though is just nailed throughout the movie is the casting. I think that the people they had in the roles that they played, because oftentimes I look at a movie that's this age. So this movie is about 36 years old now and surprisingly has never been remade, but there have been rumors of it getting a remake at some point. I'm not sure how I feel about that exactly, but I have some thoughts on it. I want to kind of go over later, but One of the things that makes me not want to see a remake of it is I don't want to see these characters recast because it's hard to picture anybody other than Lance Guest playing that character of Alex. He just... He fit that role so well. And then you have... um, My favorite... uh, My two favorite characters in the movie are um, actually Lance Guest as Beta, the Beta unit, because he just cracked me up. Like, he was... He's just had this, like, such a put-upon, like, yeah, I'm here as a courtesy for you, you know, the sarcastic thing going on. And then uh, the character Centauri I loved. And Robert Preston was so good in that, that role because he walked that line of being, like, a used car salesman as well as kind of a, a fatherly figure in a way. Sadly, he passed away in 1987, so even if they wanted to remake it, they couldn't even use his voice. But And that's the other part of it is his voice was just... He was, he, he had this way, I don't know if it was the cadence that he spoke in or if it was just his voice, but there was something about the character Centauri that I just loved. So I'd, I'd almost hate to see that character re reimagine with somebody else, you know?
1: Yeah, I totally get that. And I actually, um, I read a little bit here and there, uh, not a ton cause I didn't want to like ruin the, I didn't want to see too much, <laughs> uh, but I did read that that part was kind of cap- created or like written with him in mind as the lovable con man. Cause I guess that's what he was known for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I saw that he did pass away not too, not too many years after the movie came out. So um, I guess I don't, I don't know how many more movies he was in after uh, last starfighter, but apparently this was like a kind of a big deal, like a big, like, I don't know if he was sick at the end of his life or what, but this seemed like this was a, like a real heart moment that had yeah. to do with his personality.
0: And it was it was a fun thing they did with him where he has one of the best uh, lines right before he dies that I I just it killed me where he's like I did it for all the right reasons but it never hurts to be rich
1: yeah <laughs> and, yeah yeah as just... I was watching I was writing down all the little quotes and one liners that I enjoyed <laughs> from it <laughs> and that was definitely one of them
0: yeah and it he just he delivered it with this. This sincerity and then immediately that's it. And, and it's a heartfelt moment because it's that moment that for Alex is, um, it's like, okay, now I have to do something, right? Because this guy gave his life for me. And of course they undo all that at the end in a way. Uh, yeah, because,
1: I was okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: like, I, it, didn't, it didn't bother me. But I also look at, I have to look at the movie and realize, no, this was aimed for young kids. This was aimed for me when I was that age. And so stuff like that makes sense when you bring a character back at the end, like, oh, no, I was just resting while my body recharged type thing. And you've got Grig who's like playing along with it. But at the same time, I watched it again and I realized, no, you know what, Grig, not only is he like not giving away the fact that Centauri isn't dead, but he even has a line when they're in the ship where he talks about death being a primitive idea. And he doesn't look at things that way. And I, I listened to that line. And I was like, oh, well, that makes a lot more sense how he would act the way that he kind of did. And then be like, oh, I was tricking you. I see he's still alive. Right at the end there. Um, and I love that. Grig, by the way, was another character who was a lot of fun. You know who played him?
1: Um, I, I can look at the IMDb page that's on the screen right here. <laughs>
0: so it was an actor named Dan O'Harely. And okay. uh, mm-hmm. he, in this show um for a wait you haven't seen we've seen him before in Halloween 3 season of the witch he was the big bad guy in that that was running the um the mask company that was uh targeting all the kids he was also in RoboCop um uh, believe it or not like he's one of those actors that uh often played a bad guy and so it was weird really? to see him playing this like really lovable character cuz he's he's just so much fun in this and
1: yeah i don't he's know he's like I, mischievous yeah <laughs>
0: He's 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 great. I, I'm the prosthetics were a little eh, at times for yeah, him. Yeah,
1: it reminded me a lot, and I, I I hate to go back to this, but I I am a major Red Dwarf fan, and have been forever and ever. Uh, the way that his prosth- prosthetics fit him and the way he laughed really reminded me of the character Crichton on Red Dwarf, because mm. his laugh is that kind of androidy. You can't really have facial expression, expressions, but you open your mouth and you go ah. Yeah. Yep. I, I can't do it because I'm not. I well, don't. I, I just. I don't got it. But and
0: what's great is they got around him not being able to like guffaw laugh like that by doing that weird wheezing laugh thing that he did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like so, you can't do it with those prosth- prosthetics because the mouth kind of just goes. Nyeh, nyeh. Yeah. <laughs> and you need a, little, need a little bit more movement to actually get a real laugh out.
0: Yeah. Um, so that and
1: was a great way to deal with it.
0: Visually, he reminded me a little bit of. Did you ever see. Um, I think it was, it might've been the next year, actually. It was a movie called Enemy Mine with um, Dennis Quaid.
1: Uh, probably not.
0: Okay. So there's a, uh, Louis Gossett Jr. plays a, a an alien race that this character reminds me a lot of, or that, that alien race. I think, cause I think Enemy Mine came out after this. So they may have based it on that. I don't remember, but there's similarities. That same kind of brownish uh, mm-hmm. lizard-like character. That movie is not a comedy, though, or aimed at kids, so it's very different. Yeah. Um, what do we uh, probably see? So JF Dubois in the chat room says, "Problem I see with doing these remakes is that it locks movies away from other generations. Like I get keeping the original on a pedestal for a variety of reasons, but not being so precious as to keep it from being accessible as a story from other generations. No, I get that. Um, like, if so, okay, I'm going to get into the I want to get into my my thoughts on uh, on the remake and the story in general here in a minute. But um, I did want to talk a little bit more about casting. And it was only because uh, my other thing. So we mentioned Dan O'Harely. I mentioned uh, Lance Guest. Mm-hmm. The uh, Maggie Gordon, played by Catherine Mary Stewart. Um, she was fine. I didn't have a problem with her performance. But every time I saw her on screen, all I could think of was she was... She looked like the love child of Amanda Peet and Hilary Swank.
1: Oh, no, I see it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you'll never. <laughs> You're right. If, I, if I, you I watch see the movie that. again. You'll never unsee it. Like, it's it's a little weird. Um, but she was she was good, given the role that she had, because they didn't they didn't give her a ton of screen time. Mm-mm. Um, But, I you know, she also wasn't super like they didn't they didn't go the route of a damsel in distress or anything like that with her. She was just sort Which of.
1: Which I was thankful for. <laughs> yes,
0: she she was just afraid to leave. She was afraid to leave their trailer park. Sure. Um,
1: yeah, and that that whole thing felt really um, concise and maybe a little bit contrived. But given the age demographic of this movie, like the the people that it was the the kids that it was actually geared for, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So looking at it from a jaded adult perspective, who's actually like literally had to make like do or do or don't. Do this or don't do this situations. It's like, that's not how those decisions go.
0: <laughs> no, but I did like the fact that uh, the decision was kind of made for her by her grandma. Her, you know, Granny yeah. was like, "Just go." But what, she was,
1: once, f- she, once she put down her shotgun.
0: Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I had plenty of I had plenty of notes to myself about Granny and her shotgun because she was she was ready. Like as soon as she saw she an alien. Open. So. <laughs> I had a note to myself and I have to bring this up because I thought it was clever. The least believable part in this entire movie to me was the entirety of the trailer park gathering around the arcade cabinet while he sets the record.
1: I had a note about that too. I was like, man, what, what world do they live in where like the whole, your whole neighborhood gets excited about that kind of thing. I'm like, that was so heartwarming. It's was like, why can't we have that?
0: I know. Even that whole even, trailer
1: park was so cute from the name of it, the Starbright starlight or whatever it was yeah. all the way down to like the little whirly gig things. And, oh. Man, yeah. And <laughs> that's why I thought it was a Disney film at first because I'm like, this neighborhood's way too nice.
0: <laughs> really, it is. I mean, the worst thing that happened to anybody in the in the movie was the one lady's uh, electricity went out for her trailer, and she, so she couldn't so watch she her, couldn't soaps. her soaps. Her soaps. <laughs> and you, you know, it's funny because that's like a. I mean, you don't really see where I'm from. I don't see trailer parks like that because those were, I mean, RVs hooked up and held in place. A lot of them were. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I did, I loved that whole set. The fact that it's like kind of down on a hillside and then you come up to the road and there's a little, uh, kind of general store right there and looked like, uh, you know, either a burger joint or a pizza parlor or something. And just, it was a cool little community of people that all got along. And I love that. I mean, right down to like Lewis, just wandering around shooting darts at everyone in the opening of the movie.
1: Like shooting a dart into Otis's house, I'm like, man, that would not fly these days. <laughs> no, <laughs> that cracked me up.
0: But yeah, it, that was just for me. I'm like, there's no way. Even in 1984, when when um, because video game cabinets for a long time they were kind of this like communal thing. You'd get one like that, and people would gather around them. But there's there's no way that table full of guys playing poker were going to get up and go watch this kid play a video game. That's <laughs> just not going to happen. Right. Um, Did
1: video game arcade cabinets used to be kept outside because I, I don't remember that being a thing, but I also didn't run into that many video game arcade cabinets as a in the 80s
0: at that the,
1: time Man was about all I saw.
0: Yeah, at that time. Yes, you would see them occasionally outside. Not so much again where I am at because we have winter. So
1: yeah, I am in the dead center of Texas and it's. I'm not, I won't, I won't tell you what our weather's like right now.
0: Mm, that's, that's fine. I, it's warmer <laughs> than here. That's, I can tell you that. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure in, in warmer, dry areas, especially like, cause this is, I'm assuming somewhere in California is where this takes place.
1: Yeah. The, the license plate of the car, which I have a note about, um, later uh, said California, but the road and the little the area that the little neighborhood was set in reminded me an awful lot of this the the road between I think it's Boulder and Estes Park, Colorado, where it's mm. like it's mountains and trees on both sides, yeah. and then there's ever so often there's like a little exit with like a little restaurant or something, and then just like a little group of houses, so at first, before I realized they were in California, I was like, is this Colorado? <laughs> but I, I don't know. There, I, it, I'm sure it could have been any number of states, but the, the license plate did say California.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Phelan, you say you used to get crowds in playing Street Fighter. Yes, in the arcade, but you didn't get an entire neighborhood of people, most of whom don't play video games to crowd around you while you're playing a game is what I'm saying. That That's the thing that wouldn't have happened. But then there's also, I mean, it's stuff like that that gives away what the, the target audience of this movie was, because even at the end when the ship comes down and it's like they're all just really cool with the fact that there's a spaceship and an alien, um, which, by the way, there's no way any of them knew what Grig was saying. Right. Because none of That's them had true. the translator.
1: That's true.
0: So right. he was just speaking gibberish to all of them. <laughs> Although and I also and I, oh. go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, like, I even had a note about how polite and charming and such a <laughs> gentleman he was. And then I was and you're right. They would have only been hearing. Yeah. Oh,
0: um,
1: yes. Sure, honey. Don't <laughs> blow us up.
0: Right. I also liked how um, the translator that he gets at one point, it's just pinned to his shirt, like his shirt collar. Yeah. So as yeah. soon as he changes clothes, he can't understand anybody anymore.
1: Yeah, that's how I was thinking. Like maybe I've been watching too much Star Trek, but wouldn't that have been made more sense as like an implant under his ear or something?
0: Yeah, go the. I mean, but
1: whatever. Yeah, maybe again, that's maybe can, that's too gruesome for this type of movie. Like uh, don't 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 do skin implants in rated. I don't know if it was G or PG. It was
0: PG or and.
1: PG. Well, you, PG at that time is different from PG now.
0: Right, but you say that, but this movie also had somebody get melted on oh, the yeah. screen. And the weird, like the nightmare fuel that was the beta unit before it started looking like Alex. Yes. That one shot of it,
1: pizza, cheese pizza skin. Yeah, that when I was... the, that made me jump when I, <laughs> I first know. saw it because I was not expecting a movie like this to have that.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was, you know, that was PG uh, at the time, and they
1: never explained it. They're just like, just everybody just needs to understand that this is an incomplete android who's yeah. developing and that's why he's like making the awful noises under the covers.
0: <laughs> uh Nisbit PG-13 actually came about not because of Jaws. Jaws was years before that. It was um it was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom that really jump started uh PG-13 because that movie was rated PG. And Temple right. of Doom has a guy's heart get removed from his chest like by hand. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, this th- One of the things I like about 80s kids' movies was that... And I talked about this because it was a quote I read from Jim Henson back when we covered Dark Crystal on this show. Is Jim Henson said at the time when he was making Dark Crystal, look, there's nothing wrong with occasionally giving kids something that's a little scary. Like, it's good for them to be scared of things at times. You don't want to overdo it. But Dark Crystal is one of those movies. Like, that's a kid's movie, but, oh boy, is it... uh, you know, it's got some some scary imagery in it. And I think that that, you know, that works. And you saw that more in the 80s. The Goonies had a lot of that. Uh, if you've ever seen The Monster Squad, that's got some stuff like that in there. Which is like, The Monster Squad is like the Kmart blue light special version of The Goonies. Only set around Halloween.
1: Okay. I, I, I did actually see The Dark Crystal when it came out in the 80s. And I was like deathly afraid of the Skeksis to the point where when it came out again on Netflix I was like I have to be in the right mental space because even (laughs) though I am a grown-up and I know that they're puppets I know that they're not real I've like already seen behind the scenes stuff I still it stuck so hard (laughs) that I had to prepare myself those
0: Skeksis are frightening I'm right there with you but and and so for this movie to do you know the the incomplete android and then there's the shot now. Granted, it's in the background, but it's the guy getting kind of melted by the laser, the spy or whatever. Um, yeah. Or even the the grotesque alien thing, like fish head thing that was the bounty hunter. That was uh, a weird.
1: Zan, Zandar
0: Yeah. Yes. Zander
1: whatever I think whatever what it was yeah that, that apparently was like all stinky and yeah. drooly and like the stinky sure whatever I don't care it's a movie we don't have to smell it but the drooly bits mm, not yeah. my jam
0: <laughs> no no <laughs> that Plus, was gross there's even stuff that in this movie that uh you wouldn't see in a kid's movie today like so when when um Uh, Centauri. God, I don't know why that name just suddenly wouldn't come to me. When Centauri shows back up and the Zandozan is attacking from on top of the the truck thing and he shoots, you know, he fires at it, knocks its arm off, knocks it off of there. That, that's one thing. But when it attacks the second time, he doesn't mess around. Like he just lays into that thing and vaporizes it. And it's pretty, it's, when you think about it, it's kind of gruesome. The fact that he just unloaded on that thing. So that's kind of something that you might not see in a kids' movie today, either. Well,
1: yeah, that and when when the, the beta Alex goes and crashes the truck into the spaceship. Oh yeah, that's a that's a thing. Like I don't, I didn't realize what was happening until it was until he was like, "Get out of the co- the truck!" And I'm like, "Oh, this Ooh. in this movie we're doing this."
0: <laughs> oh, he's going to go okay. suicide run on this. Okay.
1: Was yeah, he, did he have? to? He could have jumped out of the truck too. In the. Okay, okay. Yeah. I guess we had to have some sort of closure for why the they didn't want to do the two Alex and the beta in the same. Uh, yeah, that, would have, that could have been a spinoff.
0: <laughs> it could have. All right, so that's a good place to jump into this. So remake-wise, yeah. I don't hate the idea of The Last Starfighter being remade. I'm not super like, yes, it's got to be done. I want to see remake really bad. But if it were done well, I wouldn't have a problem with it. And if I were doing it, one of the things that I would do is I would not remake The Last Starfighter as a movie. I would remake it as a short form 8 to 12 episode series, 6 to 10 episodes in there. Because I really, really, really like this movie. But one of its shortcomings is it has a lot of story that it tries to pack into an hour and 40 minute movie. Yes. And so yes. there are I
1: tons. actually agree with you on this.
0: Yeah, there are so many like leaps you have to take and story bits that I want to know more about or that would make more sense given more time mm-hmm. that if you could stretch it out over a few episodes, a miniseries of some kind, I think it would work really well because we have no idea why Zer is who he is or how he even got out of the frontier. We don't know how the frontier works is it like a one way valve? What is that
1: scepter thing that he's so attached to
0: Yep this is the like, scepter is it
1: a taser? Is it a beaten stick? I mean
0: <laughs> It's got all a of blade, we know that, but you know, not <laughs> a very useful blade cuz there's only about a few inches of it sticking out like to poke. I don't know. But there was there was that and the fact that he's apparently the leader of Rylos's uh the planet Rylos, it's he's the leader's son or something and he had like a cult that followed him yeah. like there's all this backstory and world building that I want to know more about on top of the Lodan Armada because like the character of Commander Krill, the guy that had the little orange thing that mm-hmm. would flip over his one eye, he was made
1: me think of Dragon Ball.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh he was really interesting in that I want to know more about him and he basically gets to do nothing in the movie but have one of the coolest lines before they crash into that moon. Where they're like, "What are we gonna do? We die.
1: We die. Yes, (laughs) that was a. I was. I actually really appreciated that because there wasn't any like scrambling of. Oh, we just have to find that. No, we die.
0: He's just like, it's over.
1: Today is a good day to die. Very Klingon.
0: But it would be interesting to know more about like that race and why were they the bad guys? Because we just we don't know anything about that. And and there's there's more too like they they have to because it's a single standalone story they have to rush the whole idea of Alex leaving the planet for the first time meeting these other aliens the shell shock of that him and Grig getting along at all um the whole like all the relationships i feel like could benefit from having more time and and more story to just flesh them out a little bit so
1: yeah i actually read uh that Just as recently as October, um, the guy who actually wrote it, Jeff, you tell? Yeah. Whatever. The guy who wrote it and Gary Witta had just apparently agreed to join forces to write. I couldn't tell if it was a sequel or a remake. I don't know which one I'd prefer. Um I think a remake in this, the style that you had said of like a series of six to eight episodes would be cool. Um, but I could also understand why they would, if they have to do just a movie, why they would want to do it as a movie instead of, or I don't know. I feel like there there's enough in there to make a trilogy, but I don't know if there's enough uh, people who have this much investment into it to be interested in, in it as a trilogy. So maybe it does make more sense for you know, the corporate, the bureaucrats, the money people to do just a sequel. But I did see that it was announced on October 20th uh, that something is happening.
0: That's interesting to me I because that's the other part is, and we have a, I mean, right now we have such a shifting landscape of of films anyway with with COVID and theaters and are they going to be around or not? Like, it's really difficult to say what's going to work or not. That's why I'd love to see a Netflix or an Amazon or Hulu. Somebody kind of pick up this property and do something with it. Now, if you were going to do a sequel to it, because that's the other question is, do you set it in the time period that this movie came out in the early to mid 80s? The problem I see with that is, number one, a lot of shows and movies have been doing that lately. Mm-hmm. And there's a tendency to overdo the nostalgia factor in something like that. Mm. But how do you modernize this idea now? What would you because we don't have arcade cabinets all over the place anymore? So what would be the distribution to get it out there? Would it be something that gets put online and it's some sort of an online game? Um,
1: yeah, or is it a phone game? In which case, I I don't know how I would feel about that because my gut reaction. Just it, like thinking about that is, man, I don't want to watch another Angry Birds movie because that's like a phone game movie. But that also is like, seems to be like the most ubiquitous way of getting it out to as many people as possible. Stick it up on an app store or whatever. And then, I mean, we all know that our phones are tracking everything that we do anyway. Right. So, yeah, it would be that tricky. That sense. But, uh, and also, well, here's the other thing live action or animated. I feel like they could do more if it was animated and they wouldn't have to worry so much about, like, if they did it soon, they wouldn't have to. I mean, maybe maybe I'm missing some giant chunk of how animated movies work, but I would have figured that in this particular current climate, it would be easier to do an animated film I think than a live action.
0: They could they could do more on less of a budget if it were animated than they could trying to because one of the charms of this movie is it's got a blend of kind of interesting practical effects and costumes and, and kind of creature effects, blended in with super early CGI. And yeah and one of the things I kind of think that most of the CGI work in this, while it's definitely dated in terms of like you can tell when it was done, it fits the feel of this because the video game that they were playing off of was this wireframe uh, kind of vector graphic game. And so like the the real blocky uh, kind of textures, because everything moved really smoothly. It just... Yeah, um, it
1: made sense. That the graphics made sense to me for the type of movie that it was and for the fact that it's like we're going from a video game to real life.
0: right. Uh, there were a couple of effects that didn't work so well. Like the whole floating head hologram thing with Xur looked bad. That just, that's something yeah. that could be updated. But then you have things like the, the prop work, um, the weapons that they carried, the, that the Zandozans carried and even what, um, Centauri had, which I now understand and realize after watching it again, why I always had this fascination with a handgun where the barrel was on the bottom of it. And it's because that's what Centauri had. If you pay attention to oh. his, his pistol, it's got like a pistol grip with the trigger at the trigger finger, but the barrel's underneath his hand. Huh. And I always I'm wanted tra- something I, like that.
1: I'm thinking about how guns actually work, <laughs> and that seems odd, but it I think it does, but if I it's a it.
0: if it's an energy weapon, you probably have a lot more lead.
1: Yeah. There you go. See, we just need to get the like the actual laser pew pew guns going yes. now. Yeah. Yes.
0: That's step one. But I loved, I loved the costuming. Um, I thought the flight suits looked great. Uh, the alien, the different alien costumes Mm -hmm. and, and creature effects were really cool looking. Um, you know, it's one of the, that's part of its charm, right? Like it has this feel of a B movie, but it's got, it's, it's a step above that. The acting's a little bit better for the most part. Um, I
1: have one complaint about the acting. Okay, I really, I, I almost kept a count of how many times I wanted to tell Alex to shut his mouth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah, he, uh, he went to the Vince Vaughn school of uh, acting with his mouth open. Like he's just uh, catching flies in there.
1: Yeah, but back on topic, the costuming I thought was amazing. I actually kind of want to find out what the um, oh uh, Commander Krill and his guys like, how their costumes were made, because nowadays we would use, you know, foam and warbler and, like, air clay and all that kind of stuff, but back then I have no idea what kind of stuff they used to make those costumes, and I know that, like, Star Trek had uh, a whole bunch of that kind of stuff, and, like, the prosthetics for, the, like, the, the squid guy, mm-hmm. um, so they had that stuff down, Like they like, I'm assuming that they took a lot of cues from puppet making, yeah, um, to make that kind of stuff. And I just I'm really curious to see how different stuff was as far as that kind of costuming then versus now when we can like 3D print the whole thing if we wanted to.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it is interesting. I don't, I don't know. I like, too, that they didn't shy away from having just really outlandish looking aliens with like eyes and weird yeah. spots. And, you know, the the one that had like eyes way up on high on his head and then the, the stinky aliens where it was a super wide face. Mm-hmm. Like real fish looking get, and
1: like, like a, yeah, like a catfish. Yeah,
0: I, <laughs> a catfish
1: I, with like awful teeth.
0: Oh man, those things! Ugh, I just
1: <laughs> and the plus drool,
0: oh. the the drool and the fact that they constantly hammer home that it smells bad to the point where you Did can he almost need to drool? <laughs> probably not, but you know. Um And then you know, on top of that, you have the the main race of aliens that we see the most of is just like a bald cap. But they, yeah.
1: I was I kind know. of wondering like that was an interesting choice. Like I am all about normalizing male pattern baldness and all that stuff because honestly humanity just needs to get the hell over that. It happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah, it does.
1: And so I really appreciated that that was a, a costuming choice that was made in 19, in the early 1980s. Very yeah. progressive. <laughs> I mean, never, never mind like the, their, their bulbous foreheads and stuff, but.
0: Oh yeah. No, they had, they had five heads going on for sure. Um, <laughs> But again, like it just it fit. And I liked that it was like this this kind of cool mishmash of a bunch of different planets. And then they're like, yeah, Earth isn't part of it yet. And they're too primitive. And there was even the line from Alex. And I captured it because it's kind of fitting of today was when they're when he's like, I'm from Earth. We're, we're not at war with anybody. We're not at war with anybody except each other. Like
1: yeah. 40
0: years later, that's and that's brings. still true. Yeah. yeah. Which is why we may never get visited by aliens. That's all. And I wouldn't I blame, blame them. them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the CG in this mostly is in the kind of second half. Um, there's a little bit early on, but, it, you know, all of it pretty much is done taking place in space, which helps, I think, because then you don't have to worry about trying to composite in uh, a CG ship because any the, the times where they showed the the gunstar um with like live action stuff around it you could see the mat lines you could see where they were composited in a little bit not terribly but um overall i think they did a pretty good job with it but i forget sometimes how early on in cg this was 1984 so we had had tron 2 years earlier it was 1982
1: tron was 1982 okay yeah and i was trying to think of what other movies um, came out around that time that had CG, but I, I mean, couldn't think of them. But,
0: but yeah, this was definitely early on, and it helps that everything they were CGing was were, were ships and they were spaceships and they could come up with you know interesting looking designs. I love the design of the Gunstar ship, by the way. I think that's one of the coolest looking spaceships. I, there's yeah, something about one. the the shape of it and kind of how the back end has like this big, um, it's almost like two wings, but they're not wings and they've got the engines on them and then of course when it uh the prototype one that he flies because it opens up and it does the death blossom which was a cool effect um i just it that's a spaceship i think that gets lost sometimes in the conversations of like cool sci-fi ships is the the gun star
1: i I haven't really seen other ships that look like that Um, and i i've I tried to name my car after a spaceship, and I was going through and trying, just like I was looking for a list of spaceship names. And this one wasn't—the Gunstar wasn't even on the the list that I found, and that made me a little bit sad.
0: That is sad because
1: <laughs> you're right; it's a great ship, and I haven't really seen others like it. I mean, I could be wrong because I—Lord knows—I haven't seen all of the movies. <laughs> it's
0: it's not it's not one that I've seen a whole lot of um, that I can remember. And Phelan's saying it's like an X-Wing with the wings locked in, and filled in. Kind of, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I can yeah. see that. But it wasn't, though, which right, I but... appreciated. It wasn't like, oh, oh, but there was apparently something copied. And I, I, maybe JF knows more about this one, so I'll bug him about it later. But apparently the car that Centauri drives, mm-hmm. the design was borrowed from Blade Runner.
0: I can see that. It was based on uh, DeLorean. I know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was very much uh, similar to Deckard's car um, in Blade Runner, in terms of like the look of it, which you know at the time that was what we thought futuristic cars were going to look like. So, <laughs>
1: uh, you know, no. we, <laughs> <laughs> we, swing and we, a miss. Don't. Yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, however, <laughs> no, I will only- say I want that car. If it can do three hundred three like- miles an hour on a winding road like that and not fly off the road, I want it.
1: I, I I like I like the gullwing thing. I oh, wonder yeah. why that never really caught on. Maybe it's because uh, in parking spaces, you, eh, I don't know. He, we never really figured that out. But I still think it's funny that the only vehicles that have like the continuous slope from the front of the hood all the way to the back of the vehicle is that one weird minivan. Like, oh yeah, I don't I don't remember what it's called, but everybody's seen one because they were around in the '90s. The Pontiac. But, um... Was it a a Pontiac company?
0: Transport or something.
1: Maybe. Maybe. I don't remember. I I just remember them being the weirdest looking minivans ever.
0: (laughs) The weird one to me was the Toyota Previa because it was like oval shaped. It was a weird looking minivan. Look that one up sometime. It's like an egg with wheels.
1: Yeah, I I know that one. Yep. (laughs) So. (laughs) We Um, certainly had our share of weird cars. (laughs) Yes.
0: And what we thought was going to look cool and, and, and didn't. Um, ooh. uh you know what we are going to pause for a moment because apparently my dog needs to go outside he's okay. barking at me from upstairs so uh i will be back the Thing
1: that i wanted to mention that i the the shot of the spaceship coming down to collect mags Maggie, mm-hmm. mags whatever they yeah. call her um i was the first time i watched it last night i was kind of like are they landing that spaceship on the roof? And then I was like, Oh God, I just got fooled by forced perspective. (laughs) Cause that's, I'm, I'm guessing that that was a model that they'd used forced perspective to make it look like it was landing in the parking lot. Maybe because it looked at first, it really looked to me like they were landing the spaceship on the roof of the cafe.
0: Yeah, it did kind of look (laughs) like that. Or whatever it was. I will agree. Um, so we talked about how uh, how much I liked the the Gunstar um, design, and it, it sounds like you like that one too. The other ships, the the command ship, was an interesting design because it didn't look like a spaceship. Really, it almost looked like a, no. uh, like a big piece it of it looked like a
1: bi-level boomerang to me.
0: There, you, oh, okay, that's a good one. Bi-level boomerang, two two-parter. Um, the scale on that thing was weird, though. I couldn't figure it out. Like, how big was it supposed to be? Because you would see it, and in context with the, I guess, the, the, whatever the emanate, like, like emanators of the frontier or something, it seemed like it was of a decent size. But then when it crashed into the moon at the end, either that was the smallest moon I have ever seen, or that ship is massive because it was like.
1: I did not realize that it crashed into the moon.
0: <laughs> that's what it hit. That's when they, when he said we die, that was it that, crashing that into was- the moon. Oh, yeah. See, it wow. doesn't work. Now
1: I'm really confused. Yeah. yeah okay. Because I, 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 that, okay. In hindsight, that makes sense. But at the time I was just like, okay, we're moving on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it blew up and we go, I didn't, we go this way. I didn't,
1: I didn't really catch what happened there. Yeah. It's like um, the, the good guys won. Yay.
0: <laughs> so it was, it's one of those that like the scale of that just never really made sense. There's also the whole thing of like, I want to know more about the frontier. What was that? Exactly, yeah. some sort of an energy barrier, and apparently they had like, I keep calling them emanators, but they're like these little things dotting. It almost looked like um, what was the, the Nova Core thing in Guardians of the Galaxy, when they would lock their ships together and they created that force field
1: mm. at the
0: end of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Kind of makes me think of that in a
1: way. Um, yeah like i was wondering if they were like little unmanned hubs or like just little connector things that had invisible force field netting between them or like i i really would have liked to know what that was um but that's what makes me feel like the movie was intended for like young kids which Mm -hmm. is kind of weird considering the rating because most teenagers i feel like would have been like there's what, what, what just happened here? What are we talking about? But, like, little kids, apparently you can get that stuff passed. Although, given the kids that I know, I'm not entirely sure that's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but Maybe and, back
1: in the, when, yeah. in the early 80s. Uh, I don't know, man. Kids are too smart these days. I'm scared of that true. <laughs>
0: well, also exposed to a lot more information. Like, science mm-hmm. fiction oh, yeah. at the time, you know, we had, like, Star Wars and Star Trek, and that was it. So you could really hand wave a lot away. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say, but I, I like the I, the idea of it is kind of interesting. Apparently, it was a giant sphere that covered all the uh, the peaceful planets of the universe. I guess so. They okay. I, location is everything, and even in space, you know what neighborhood yeah. you live in matters. <laughs>
1: I guess that kind of, is that, so when they were setting up to do the Death Blossom, which, okay, so I've played an awful lot of Overwatch in my life, so <laughs> my brain immediately went to Reaper, die, 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 yeah. and I was like, did somebody copy something here? <laughs> or there are a lot of weapons called the Death Blossom? I think there was but some when they influence. Were setting up, eh, who's going to check? Yeah. <laughs> whatever it worked, but so I was noticing that they had like the sphere set up, and they had like dots kind of in a circle, and I was like, "Is that are the dots supposed to be the ships, or are the dots supposed to be something like I don't I don't know what the dots were, but it was clear it's like okay, we're watching to see if when all this stuff gets into formation, so that we can get in the middle of them and
0: yeah, it was something to do I think with the range that it had, and like he had to I think they were supposed to be all the enemy ships, and like they had to all get close enough,
1: yeah. I think the thing that I was stuck on was like, was that green thing representative of where like the little green nod nodules, the little green ships were, mm-hmm. or was that just like a spacing thing? Cause they were kind of the same color of green. Yeah. So that's, what, that's why I thought maybe that was what that was, but the sphere was the range. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that makes, that makes sense.
0: Now, one thing that I'm curious about, and I, I kind of like to know your take on this. So he had the chair that swiveled and moved with him as he, uh, as he aimed things, even though the cockpit didn't, which I thought was strange. But when he's firing off the Death Blossom, the ship is just rotating like mad. And then they would cut to the inside of it, and his chair is rotating like mad. So it almost feels like the chair, like he was stationary the whole time, and the ship is rotating around him.
1: I feel like if he had been moving with the ship, we would have seen a puke scene. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, because he did come out of it kind of like, uh, but that, it's like that much motion doesn't leave <laughs> you feeling like, uh, that would be super disorienting.
0: Very much so.
1: Uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't know about that. That was a plot inconsistency to me.
0: <laughs> well, there's a few of those.
1: Right, not that big of a, deal. Oh, oh, yeah, mm. gaping holes here and there. Whatever, we can look past that.
0: Again, I don't care. Um, So, okay, now... That's
1: part of the fun in these movies, though. It's like, what can you get away with cutting out?
0: Oh, very much is. Like, uh, one that I noticed and I was watching, I had a friend of mine and I was watching it with him, and there's, I love the scene of Beta where he wakes up and his ear is all messed up and he's hearing the butterfly outside the window. Like, that scene is super fun. Now, it doesn't do anything for the plot of the movie and you could have easily cut funny. it out but it's a fun scene so i don't want to i don't want to lose it but i'm also watching it and when he takes when he pops the head off and sets it on the table and he's working on it my my first thought well, was one
1: of how, my gags.
0: how can he see what he's doing <laughs> and but hey. then like it's got those great gags where he tells Lewis to go back to sleep and he's just having a bad dream and then he when he turns the head around he looks out the window and he sees the little like shooting star you can tell the ship is landing and it has my favorite moment in that entire scene, which is he does the, the the fingers to the bridge of the nose kind of uh but he has to do it from the side with his hand turning his head like it just I I don't know why that tickled me so much that that whole scene. Oh, I
1: I love those things the the fake no head or the it's like popping your head off gag because like clearly the actor was in the table and then clearly there was another person who's like doing that oh, yeah. number. Yep. <laughs> I love it.
0: Yeah, and and it's great because it's such an easy effect to do, but it looks good. Like it just looks yeah, great. Yeah,
1: it was, it was fun. It was funny, and I just I I have a soft spot for humanoid androids and stuff. And so this was like that was right up my alley. Tickled me pink.
0: Yeah, and and he's a fun character because he's trying to figure out like <laughs> the next scene. You see him and he's he's doing the eyebrow thing, and he's like trying to figure yeah. out what that does, and the whole uh, the whole thing where he's trying to sweet talk her. So he's just listening to the other guy and oh, then repeating yeah. everything he says and it's like oh this isn't going to end well.
1: <laughs> so it's like, that's buddy no.
0: <laughs> and that's that's Stop why there. Beta is like my favorite character in this movie because it's again it's Lance Guest who I think at the time had a ton of charisma and he's he's interesting to to watch as the character of Alex but Beta was a fun character because of that fish out of water and that humanoid android thing. So, yeah,
1: I hope nobody thinks I'm too much of a jerk, but it, there were times where I kind of liked Beta better than I liked Alex.
0: Oh, no, totally. I, I'm, I'm behind <laughs> you on that. Alex wasn't a bad character by any stretch, but I liked Beta better. That's yeah. just me.
1: I don't know. I have a soft spot for Android learning how to be human, so.
0: Yeah, I'm with
1: you. I love Data.
0: <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? I mean, I mean, really. Oh God! And
1: the learning, learning how to the the laughter scene in the back of the truck. Ha, 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 ha! That 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 tickled me pink. <laughs> I thought that was so funny.
0: So we talked a little bit about remake versus sequel earlier. Hmm? Do you think if they made a sequel to this, would it be his little brother? Because I guess Lewis at this point would be almost forty. So
1: it looks like they set the it. They set it up for that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, uh, Lewis would be 40, 42, somewhere around there, I think, depending on if I have his age right. I'm guessing he was like six or seven, maybe yeah. eight, although the his obsession with the Playboy magazines kind of <laughs> threw me was, off. Like, how, yeah. really? Is this uh, okay? <laughs> I yeah. guess we're trying to show that the kid is more mature than he looks or whatever. Um, that was an interesting choice. Uh, but okay. That's... Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. It, it makes sense to me to have the little brother, um, be the, the main character in a sequel, but I don't know that it's going to, I don't think it could be the same actor though.
0: No, probably not. I think, I
1: mean, I, I'd love to see more people who are, uh, in their forties get their, you know, new leaf, new life thing, because mm-hmm. that, you know, it's happening to a lot of people and, uh. Not, not, not enough attention is paid to that kind of thing in the media, in my, in my opinion.
0: Oh, yeah. Because don't
1: you know, at least women are supposed to disappear when they turn 30 or some whatever.
0: Well, that <laughs> and like, apparently you can't have the hero's journey if you're over 20 years old.
1: Yeah, that Which, I mean, dumb. come on. <laughs>
0: that, that is dumb. I agree. Um, if, you, if, if somebody gave you the choice and said, okay, you can have a sequel to this movie or you can have a remake of this story. And and that's it. That's all you get is is one or the other. Or the other. There's no restrictions on. It's only going to be a movie, or it's only going to be a series, or any of that. Which which direction do you think you go in with this? With since uh, you have the fresh I think, eyes,
1: I think I would go with a sequel. Okay, like I I think I think that um, the way that it was done, um, and well, and also. It's 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 the way that it was done in the early '80s with that particular kind of CGI, that particular storyline. The the I don't know if there's enough movies to make it a trope, but the uh, plays video games and is discovered and then has to go fight a real thing because I know of this one and Ender's Game are both like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess is it Ready Player One?
0: Ready Player sort One's of. got a little bit of that in it too, where the
1: video games turn real. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that was very much, and yeah, yeah, uh, Danny Ora points out you're not even a real adult till you're 30.
0: That's very true. <laughs> oh
1: boy. Um, but yeah, I think that it would make more sense to, given given how different production is now, I think it would make a lot more sense to do a sequel. However, I know that there's going to be a lot of people that disagree with me and say that a remake with current technology would be the only way to do this this justice, which I also understand, but I think I'd personally rather see a sequel.
0: So, yeah, if it I would only want a remake if it was like I was talking about, you're, you're expanding the story, not just saying we're going to take the same storyline or the same similar story and we're just going to make another movie. And because to me, that feels like a, a lazy way of doing a remake, but also there's nothing transformative about that. And I want to know more about this world. I think with a sequel, you can you can explore some of those other parts of the world, too. And a sequel would be an easier way to bring it modern. Than, uh than a remake, um, because, again, yeah. it, it would fall into the pit we talked about of either. Uh, you set it in the 80s and and honestly I don't want that. I want the 80s-ness of this movie to be genuine from its time, not a uh an attempted nostalgia thing. So
1: yeah, I th- I think um it's been fun going through the cram of nostalgia the past like decade or so, mm-hmm. but I th- I kind of feel like it's t- we can move on. I think I think we've done the 80s and the 90s. Um yes.
0: Yeah. And you know it's that's nothing new. Like revisiting old older aesthetics is nothing new. But I think that at some point you really I, have to you have to start telling new stories. You can't yeah, just keep rehashing. Yeah, I feel like this it. one would
1: be better served, especially if it was a sequel. Better served to be not just present day, but maybe even a little bit more futuristic. Like make it the. I, I don't know. I just I I don't really picture a sequel being set in the '80s or even '90s again. Because mm-hmm. it would make sense if it were the the same kid. If it were Lewis supposedly that was um, gonna be the 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 main character of a sequel. It would make sense to have it then be like '90s stuff. But yeah. at the same time, I it's like that's that's a that's a limitation that I don't think they need to put on themselves.
0: Right. No, I agree with you. I still think the best way to do this is that short-form series. Somewhere between six and ten episodes and just take... Because there's, again, there's just so much story they tried to pack in here. I mean, Alex gets discovered. He gets taken off the planet. He has a fish-out-of-water scene with all the aliens. He goes back to his home planet. He realizes he needs to go and help, and he leaves again to go do the actual thing that he first left to do. That all happens in an hour-and-40-minute movie with credits. That's a lot to pack in there on top yeah. of you want to have something because we know nothing about his mom and how she yeah. handles any like, of this. And,
1: and like, what was his scholarship supposed to be? Like, we know that he didn't want to go to the same little local college, but what, what did he want to do?
0: Right. Like, yeah, there, don't I feel know.
1: like they, they could, there could be like an entire episode just on his life up until he gets the high score.
0: Mm-hmm. Sort oh, of thing. Absolutely. There, I mean, you're, you're talking, you could have an entire episode of just setting the scene of, of wh- mm-hmm. what his life is like, what his relationship is like with Maggie. Because w- we're shown that it's a fairly strong relationship, or at least led to believe that. But yet, he's gone for a night and comes back and she slaps him because of something that Beta... One thing that Beta said. So it's like she leaves a a gathering of their friends early to come back to the trailer park to hang out with him. Because she wants to spend time with him. But then when he acts a little bit weird, she's like, I'm not talking to you right now. And it just... so. You know, give us give us time yeah. to learn more about him, about his family life. You know, where's his dad? They they have the picture. He's like, yeah, this is my folks, but we never see the father. We just see mom. Yeah. You know, mom works as a waitress. It looks like because she mentioned mm-hmm. being at the restaurant doing lunch and dinner. But yet, they're also yeah. the, um, like the not superintendents, but I don't know what you would call it at, uh, at the trailer park. But they kind of run things at the trailer park because. He ends up being yeah. the handyman for everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's all that kind of stuff. So you're right. You could have a whole episode to start things off just with that. And then you've got, you know, you could have a whole episode of him just figuring out when he gets to Rylos about what the hell is going on there. Um, there's, there's a lot. That's why I think that's like if, if it's my money, if I had the money to do it, I would want to do a series.
1: Yeah. See that, that, that does make sense to me. And also like not, not too much on it, but grandma, uh, they showed grandma listening to, to hit. I I don't know if it was hip hop music or rock or whatever it was, but granny was listening to a Walkman. Now I want to know more about granny. Right. What, what, what made granny like want to come out with the shotgun? (laughs) Does granny always come outside with a shotgun?
0: Yeah. Is that just her thing? Like, what is she doing there? I don't know, and the
1: fact that they barely reacted to that—they're just like, "Granny, put the shotgun away."
0: Exactly, exactly. There's so many it's like, things. This like this is that.
1: not a problem to you. <laughs> well, it's and fine.
0: and people that listen to this show are probably going to think I sound like a broken record talking about, "Oh, I want to see this as a series." Oh, I want to but but honestly, with science fiction and fantasy stuff, especially, it works better that way. When you're building a world, because this movie takes place in our reality, but it's not our reality, obviously. And so when you're doing that kind of world building, I think having something episodic works better for it. It's, it's why even though like the, the the rare exceptions to that rule are something like the Lord of the Rings, but even that was three movies that are all three hours plus long. So there's a ton of information being brought in, world building being done there. It's like having whatever, four or five movies, so it becomes a series. It's what makes something like the MCU work for a lot of people. Is it those feel like episodes? They're they're all self-contained movies, but they were kind of designed like a one long series of a of a TV show, right? It's like twenty movies to really tell kind of one yeah. giant arc. So I think yeah,
1: because there's so much to tell.
0: Yeah, and so that's why I think something like this would just work so well with that because there's it's dense and there's a lot there. And there's a lot mm-hmm. that you can spin off. You can have entire episode just about the Zandozans attacking. That could be yeah. its own individual thing. Like,
1: like, how did they become bounty hunters? Are is that all they do, or is I? Yeah, I don't know. Why do they smell bad?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, maybe it's the do jewels. Do they live
1: on a garbage planet?
0: I think the. Ugh. Oh yeah, garbage planet. Uh, one of my favorite sci-fi tropes.
1: <laughs> oh, speaking of garbage. So did Zor like go down a garbage chute? Because that's, like, what my brain initially said. Or was that an escape pod? It was an escape pod. If you, that was an escape pod? They
0: do actually, you hear very faintly, like, a, like a shipboard announcement of escape pod ignition okay. or something like that. So, yeah, there's definitely an escape pod. It did feel like okay. they, they wanted to give themselves some outs to possibly have a sequel at the time between Zur getting away and, you know, the, the kid taking up the video game at the end of it kind of stuff. Yeah, In some yeah. ways, I'm glad that they never did, um, because I feel like at the time, had they done a sequel, it would have been much lower budget, because um, that's usually what happens with sequels. Yeah. They don't get as much budget, especially at yeah. that time.
1: This one, um, I looked it up, and this was a $15 million movie. Now, I don't know what that translates to between then and now, but that doesn't seem like a whole lot. And then at the box office, it only made $21 million, which... Doesn't seem like that's a lot. I mean, I actually really do not pay much attention at all to how much movies make, but that doesn't seem like a lot to me. But so, um, uh, it is interesting that you, you said that they had a couple of different drop off points for a, a, for a sequel right away. Like, it sounded like they were talking about, oh, maybe we're gonna do a sequel, um, and then they didn't, but then they also said, like, Atari was supposed to do a video game. Based on it, but then because it did so poorly at the box office, mm-hmm. they just they said they were going to do it, and then they just never did. Yeah. So,
0: well, and there and- were there
1: were other video games related to it, but they were released under like a different title, or mm-hmm. it had like a different the, the name, but then a different plot and. All kinds of crazy stuff.
0: Well, it's funny because the end of the credits actually says play the game on Atari or play the game from Atari oh. right at the end credits of the movie.
1: Oh, well, clearly I did not <laughs> get, get to
0: that. Well, no, but, I mean, that's but. that's kind of – it's amazing that uh, – just to give you an idea, RoboCop, which came out about three years later, 1987, um, was a budget of around $13 million, Okay. And it made $53 oh. million. So – you know, it's just to not the exact same, but when you when you think about the fact that this movie was made for fifteen million dollars, and the amount of computer work that went into it, uh, I think is as much or more than Tron, which wa- would have been not long before this, eighty two, and that movie had a budget of seventeen million. So, kind of give you a little bit of an idea.
1: Um, yeah. Well, someone in the chat just pointed out that fifteen million then would be about six million today.
0: So just straight by inflation, yeah, that's like nothing. Mm-hmm. That's that's almost yeah. no budget. Um, it was a decent-sized budget for uh, a film at the time, but it was still fairly small. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And the fact that it only made about twenty-one million is is why we never saw anything else with it. It just, you know, yeah. it made a profit, but it just barely.
1: Didn't- didn't grab people did something else come out at around the same time that got people's attention more
0: god i feel like maybe um but i can't remember anything really uh really big at the time but i guess 1984 so and it was a uh, summer dune.
1: <laughs> dune came out gremlins came out uh the Neverending mm. story
0: mm. that would have done it
1: yeah there were there was yeah there were definitely a okay yeah there's last star sorry i'm looking it up already uh 2010 the year we made contact
0: oh yeah god that was 1984 but i think you know what this movie was able to do was was like a lot of uh sci-fi it got the cult following it got the the diehard following and it it was made at the right time where home video could be a thing, and so people could watch it there and it could kind of live on. It's not, it certainly doesn't have the reputation of uh, the never ending story or anything like that, I don't think. But, but um, as I said kind of at the top of the show, the people that I have talked to and, and read quotes from and everything who did watch this movie just adore it and and it has that nostalgia factor it has it's a fun movie it's an uplifting movie it's got a positive story behind it it's got amazing music i love the score of this like it it because it the score in this movie is exactly what you expect it to be it's very bombastic it's very fanfare um yeah. and i love that so
1: it reminded me a little bit of some of the music that comes up in monty python's quest for the holy grail but like in a good way yeah, like in a nostalgic, comforting, warm kind of way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and I, where
1: I tried to explain that to my husband, and he he was just like, "You're weird." <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, I can I can see that because okay. just in the opposite side of it, where where Monty Python were using that music very tongue in cheek, um, this movie is yeah. is using it in a very earnest way. Um, yeah, because it does. It does. Just, it just has that feeling of the music that you expect to hear in this movie in and in an early eighties kind of sci-fi movie that has somewhat of a budget. So it's not the music that you would hear in like Beastmaster or something where, you know, a movie that's made for a pack of gum. Um, so that, you know, that definitely makes a difference. But overall, I, if you haven't seen this movie before, you really should. It's a good one. Um, it's a lot of fun in my opinion. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, uh, it's a good, IMDB a good has enemy 80s.
1: 80s movies. Oh,
0: totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy Necessary. that f- the, 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 the aesthetic of an 80s movie at all, you, you'll, get a, you'll get a kick out of this. You have to watch it through oh, that yeah. lens. If you're watching it thinking it's going to be something akin to sci-fi that you see on TV and movies today, it's not that. And it's not trying to be that. Mm-mm. It wasn't even trying to be that in 84. It was definitely aimed at a young audience, right down to simple things like characters don't die off. Or, you know, everybody just gets along type of thing and they can, they can hand wave their way through like this idea that, uh, that Greg really likes Alex and remembers him when he comes back and is like immediately ready to help him type of stuff. So, uh, and, and the Greg, whole
1: happy go lucky nature of the entire neighborhood.
0: Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
1: Like yay! The whole group's gonna band together and cheer them on.
0: Yes, that neighborhood that doesn't exist
1: sure. anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: one thing I have to play before we uh, we wrap things up is uh, Grig. I mentioned it, but he had that wonderful wheezy laugh that Dan O'Harely did, and so uh-huh. I got a little supercut of Grig, and I want to play this because it just every time he did that in the movie, I just chuckled. So hmm. just give a quick listen to this. It's only a few seconds long. The mm hmm is might be uh-huh. my favorite one.
1: Yes. That I that was one of the things that I wrote down. It's like so it's like theoretically we could already be dead or whatever it is like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're not wrong. Oh, I loved Grig. <laughs> Grig was great. The whole movie's yeah, fun. I just up. if you like I say, if you haven't watched it, go out and watch this. It's, it's I it was on Netflix for a while. I I don't think it is anymore unfortunately.
1: No, I ended up buying it through iTunes partly because I wanted to watch it multiple times over, over time. And also my husband was just like, Nope, that's a movie we need. So (laughs) that helps. Sure. (laughs)
0: Um, but yeah, well, okay. So I want to say thank you, Annalisa for, for coming on this week. This was fun. I'm glad that, uh, that you, were uh, were amenable to coming on and talking movies with me because uh, this is a fun Thank conversation. You
1: for inviting me. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this is great. <laughs>
0: well, anytime you want to come back, you gotta if you got another movie you haven't seen or you got something you love and you want to see if I haven't seen it, let me know because uh, anytime you want to come back, um,
1: there's now, plenty of movies I haven't seen. So <laughs> well,
0: good, I, I I like that. That's why I started the show. Um, let people know if you, you got any projects you're working on or anything that you can tell people about. Uh, for those that I don't know you,
1: uh, I personally am kind of in the middle of uh, a, a shift of stuff. But I, I also do some do some work for uh, for Bizarre Magic. I uh, uh, I do stuff with the Modern Rogue and Scam Nation. Um, but I also have have uh, uh, an Etsy shop where I'm working on getting some like wooden stuff out, like cutting boards and dice trays and stuff like that, and just like all kinds of random crafted stuff. I'm one of those people who I am a, a, a hobby magpie. Mm. <laughs> I, 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 my goal in life is to learn to do all of the things and I'm slowly working on <laughs> actually doing that. So
0: I am the same way. Uh, the problem is that I, I oftentimes don't get started on the hobby and then I go, oh, something new and I start researching that other thing. But I'm
1: Yeah. Like I have you- an entire wall of shelves that you can't see <laughs> <laughs> that's just full of crafting supplies, all kinds of stuff from crochet to, to candle stuff. <laughs> I've got all kinds of beading work. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I I
1: just I just wanna know how to do everything just in case it comes up to where I need to learn how to do it. So yeah
0: yeah i i'm i'm making it a rule for myself now that if i get a hobby that i get started on i have to at least do that for a little while before i move on to the next one and gotta complete
1: at least one thing yes yeah, yeah. it's I, I try. sort of working
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh and your etsy shop where can people find it what what would they search for um, on etsy
1: arbitrary reliquary okay um it's, I am the worst. I'm. I'm very well known for picking terrible names for stuff. Because I pick it. I picked it all back when I thought it was never going to get said out loud. Like my Twitter handle is Amuse Lisa. What is an Amuse Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> it's a play on my name. But I. I never expected to have to say it out loud, and now I've had it for so long that I can't get rid of it.
0: Um. um yeah. You're but, talking to the guy who named his show Wait. You haven't seen with uh, with question marks and ellipses in it and wonders why nobody can find it when they search. So I feel your pain there. So yeah, arbitrary I, I, reliquary?
1: Yes. Okay. Meaningless treasures.
0: Awesome. I love it. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah, if you're looking for any, uh, any little crafted things, go check that out. That's really cool. Well, again, thank you for coming on. This was super fun. And I'm glad that you got to see this movie finally because it really it 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 is kind of in your wheelhouse and it, it, it seems like
1: absolutely was yes no this is it was it's it's a movie that's been on my list for a while but like it it when movies aren't available on Netflix anymore <laughs> and I have to either go buy it or go um go go rent it or whatever it's like because eh, eh. there's already so many things out to watch but no this this is one that was definitely on my list um, from ages ago and it's just i'm so glad that it came back up bubbled back up to the surface yeah so this is good this is great
0: yeah and it fits in perfectly with the ones you mentioned with flight of the navigator short circuit is a personal favorite of mine Um, yeah
1: i need to watch that again (laughs) oh
0: it i know and the sequel's better than it has any right to be um it's not great but it's better than it should be so
1: yeah (laughs) so in the chat no disassemble
0: that's right (laughs) I think part of it is the sequel doesn't have Gutenberg, which it could be good or could be bad. Like that could be what Mm. makes it better than it's supposed to be, or it could be, I don't know, either way. Uh, So this show I record every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis, where I have have my guests come on and um, we talk about movies comes out as a podcast on Wednesdays. So if you enjoy this movie and you want to be like J.F. DeBoe, Danny Ora, uh Phelan, Nisbet, come hang out in the chat and yell at me. Um, let me know what I'm getting wrong or just say stuff like no disassemble because that's fun. <laughs> uh, the best part was Johnny going punk. That's true. That is very true. And next week, I got to look. I got to see. I've got a good one lined up for next week, too. I've had some really great uh, stuff lately. And I can never remember what they are from week to week. Oh, uh, Where'd it go? Oh, oh, excellent. We're, we're sticking in 1980s. We're going ahead one year to 1985. I'm going to talk to Dr. Jerry Tolbert about Legend. He's never seen it before. And we're going to get some early Tom Cruise, a uh, little Tim Curry in there. I can't wait. Have you seen Legend? Oh, but I sh- you should. I'll
1: watch anything with Tim Curry. <laughs> oh, Tim
0: Curry is the Lord of Darkness. That's all you need to know. I,
1: I keep hearing that like uh, people can judge you by what movie you think of when somebody says Tim Curry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I hope. Well, okay. So Tim Curry, what comes to mind? What's the first movie?
1: Ugh. I just blanked. (laughs) Perfect answer. Uh, Well, I mean, uh, uh, Rocky Horror, but (laughs) I know there's others.
0: Uh, Might be the inspiration for the look of Colomos. Mispronouncing things is kind of my thing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Tim Curry. So, yeah, when I think of Tim Curry, I think a legend. I think a Rocky Horror. I think a Clue. It. Ah, Muppet Treasure Island.
1: I've never seen it. I saw about five minutes of the original when I was a kid, like the gutter scene. And I've and I for like a decade after I saw that, I was never able to walk past a gutter without having to hop up on the sidewalk because I just couldn't ugh, I couldn't do it. Oh, yeah. I still no. never watched the movies. <laughs>
0: no, that I, is as cheese ball as it can be. Like, it's also incredibly frightening and scarring um, for sure.
1: Oh, maybe one of these days. Maybe. Anyway.
0: <laughs> And if you get a chance to watch the newer movie or movies, it's very different, but still very similar. And what I liked about it was that, um, they didn't try to emulate the version of Pennywise that Tim Curry did. They went, he went in his own direction. So I appreciate that. But yes, uh, it, it, we might have to talk about doing that next, uh, October. So you may hear from me is all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, I'll
1: prepare myself.
0: <laughs> yes. So until next week, when uh, when I'm talking about legend with uh, Doctor Jerry, remember to get out and, and enjoy movies, or stay home and enjoy movies. Uh, as is probably the better thing to do right now, and be excellent to each other. All right.
1: To sleep, Lewis, or I'm telling mom about your Playboys. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>